BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the crime writers on after show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, it's Marty and Wendy's last chance to escape the drug cartel, avoid prosecution, and save their family. We'll review the final season of Netflix's crime thriller, Ozark. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of Dead on Deadline, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, not the captain of Peanut Butter Crunch, author of the City Trilogy, (laughs) host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. So, Kevin, this is Monday's podcast. We're talking about Ozark's finale on this episode. What are we talking about on Thursday's drop? Tune in on Thursday and hear us talk about the new podcast from Australia. It's called Liar Liar. Mm, Are your pants on fire while you're listening to it? No, no, no. It's absolutely safe to listen to. It is. Non-combustible. Although it is weird that flammable and inflammable mean the same thing. Yes, it is. I think that is a known weird thing, right? It is. Well, speaking of Found flammable. Found that out the hard way. <laughs> speaking of flammable and flammable, actually not speaking of that, we have a lot to talk about with the finale of Ozark and our feelings about Ozark in general. So I don't want to do any chit chat. I just want to get to this podcast mm. review. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and drop that first clip and let's kick it off. I finally took care of that he really can't. Wow. Really? Um, why Why the fuck did you do that? My uncle should have done it when she killed Dell. It's done now. With drug lord Omar Navarro in prison and his hothead nephew Javi in charge, Marty and Wendy Bird's plan to get out from under the cartel's control is in free fall. Ruth Langmore's thirst to avenge the murder of her cousin upturns cartel leadership and drags the family deeper into the syndicate. She wants to kill him. Okay. If I if I tell him, then, you know, I put her in danger for no good reason. How about keeping him alive to keep our family safe? I say that's a pretty good reason. 
Wendy, you know him. He'd kill her just for thinking it. That's not our business. Marty is troubled by his wife's increasingly cold-blooded moves. Wendy's father seeks custody of Charlotte and Jonah. Mel is close to learning what happened to Helen and Wendy's brother, Ben. Meanwhile, Ruth makes a play for the casino, key to the money laundering operation Marty needs to fulfill his debt to the cartel and secure a deal with the FBI. Why are you doing this? You know, as soon as this hits Mexico, they're going to come for you. Not if you do your job. Find another way to clean the money. You know, I, without your help, I can't get this done as fast as I need to. Like I said, it ain't personal. Jason Bateman and Julia Garner return for the final season of Netflix's award-winning Ozark. Marty tries to unravel one last set of complications to be free of the cops and the criminals and secure his family's safety once and for all. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from the series finale of Ozark. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Lara Bricker, your first note about this season slash series finale portion of this season mm -hmm. is about breaking points. Uh, yes. Why was that your first comment that you put out there uh, and sent to me about this, about these episodes? Because I think that we have in this whole series, there's like so much crazy shit that just keeps getting thrown out and you keep thinking, Okay, is this finally the thing that, like, Marty's not going to be able to do? Is this finally the thing Wendy's going to be like, no? And these people just continue to operate in terms of, like, these just escalating stakes and obstacles in their way, and they just keep going. And at some point, you're like, how are they putting their feelings aside? And in this season, I felt like we finally see some of these characters being vulnerable. We see Wendy her vulnerability when her dad comes and the kids are going to move away with him. We see Ruth, who just absolutely breaks down over Wyatt's death. We see Marty, who sees this innocent man killed in the cartel because Marty has to keep his cover as Navarro's proxy. So I was like, yes, we finally see these characters actually showing something that might actually slow them down or might make them pause or might make them a little more human. But I, I kind of wish we had more time to lean into that and to see some of these vulnerable sides of these characters for a little longer. But the pace of tying up all the loose ends that had been just like thrown out over four seasons and particularly in the beginning of the first half of season four, it didn't really allow for that. But I, I feel like people reaching their breaking points and what are they going to do was a huge theme for me as I was watching the end of this this series. Hmm. Well, there was one new character, as you, as you mentioned, that was sort of brought on in this season, part one and part two, that, you know, was sort of like a background force but not really on the canvas until now which was wendy's father john boy i guess we'll just, I'm just gonna go ahead and <laughs> call him john boy because that's who he is and always will be for me um and i had really mixed feelings about him playing such a prominent role in these episodes and i'm curious to know what you guys think about that because he is brought in to bring about this transformation in wendy bird which we are supposed to believe is now I really do want to talk about like a little bit later in the conversation about how she sort of has this arc in this season, which I have problems with. We'll get there. But he's supposed to be bringing out all of these like he's supposed to be a trigger for all of these things. Mm -hmm. Do you, Kevin, 
think he is scary enough, big enough, enough of a presence to justify this because Wendy existentially freaks out about him, breaks down, checks herself into a hospital. He has all this power, ostensibly. I do not find him particularly compelling or frightening or big in any way. And I wonder if just it was either a mistake to bring him on or a miscast or a miswrite. I don't think so. I mean, is he scary in the way Omar Navarro is? Is he scary in the way Helen is? No, but he's trouble in the way Mel, the private detective, is. Wendy isn't afraid of him. We've seen it before. She's only afraid of him when he has power. He's a problem because he's going to be sniffing around about Ben, and we're already afraid. Like, well, I mean, if anybody cares whether Ben is dead or alive, it probably would be his father, her father. She doesn't really, you know, she doesn't capitulate to her father until it's clear that he has, you know, won the court battle to get the kids. That's when she gets down and she begs for forgiveness or whatever. Just, just don't take them away from me, please. I will be, I will be so good. I will, I'll do whatever you want. Just tell me, tell me, tell me what to do, please. I want you to get up and stop making a fool of yourself, Wendy Marie. But we already know that Wendy will do whatever she feels she needs to do to accomplish the goal. And that could be, you know, cold-blooded killing, or in this case, it could be debasing yourself in order to, you know, beg for something that you want. Hmm. I don't know. Toby, what did you think about John Boy and him being on the canvas? I had really sort of mixed feelings about the size of his role in this part of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like that could have been cut completely. You know, Ozark does this thing again and again and again, which is you just keep piling on complications and pressure. And that's what kind of leads to the tension in the show. And I think Maybe in season two, we talked about, like, you can overdo that. You can have too many things going on, and they kind of distract from each other. And I kind of felt that way with this. You know, it felt like the other plot lines were all sort of self-reinforcing, so that if you pull the string on one part of it, it messed up another part of it. So if you did something with Ruth getting the casino, that was going to mess with the way Marty was trying to deal with the cartel. But- the whole thing with the father sort of exists on its side, right? And it's mm. it doesn't really matter what happens to that other than the psychological effect it's having on particularly Wendy, but also, you know, Marty and the kids. So it just didn't seem essential, yeah. right? It seemed to kind of pull away. And, you know, I get it because, again, I feel as though the dominant theme for the way the characters relate to each other is family so having him be Wendy's father and this dysfunctional family and and how that plays out, like maybe that helps thematically. But I think what, what Laura was saying about how fast paced everything had to be to tie up all these loose ends. I feel like if you lost like the half an hour you spent on that plot and replaced it with something that was a little more compelling to do with the other plots that are sort of more entangled, like that might've been a better use of time. I completely agree. And Lara, I a couple of things. One, I think it's a kind of a betrayal of Wendy's character to have her waste so much time checking herself into a mental hospital when all these other balls are in the air because it's not something that she would ever fucking do. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, I've always believed that Wendy is maternal, even though I she's, she reads very cold, but I think cold is her maternal brand. 
That being said, I do not believe a physical separation from her kids would be the trigger. I think like the kids being with him, yes. Do I think her checking herself into a mental hospital would be the way she would deal with it? I also feel like it was a lot. And I see that you sent me a note about that, too. What do you think about this evolution, though, of Wendy's character and her spending so much time like dwelling in this? My kids are being taken away from me rather than dwelling in this. I hate my fucking dad moment. Well, yeah, because really, I think what you were saying there is about like when she checks herself in. First of all, when she checks herself in, all I can think of is like when she was in love, actually, and she had the, you know, brother that was in the mental hospital that she keeps going (laughs) to see. That was like, ah, Lara Linney's not having sex again because she's in the mental institution. But I think John Boy and the Bible bus did not really bring Wendy's character to the point where I was feeling like I believed the empathy that I was seeing or this sort of devotion that I was seeing. I think it was more like she was like, fuck him. He's not going to win. And I'm going to cover that with some like chocolate frosting and make it look like a birthday cake about my kids. But actually it's because fuck him and it's all about winning and it's all about outmaneuvering him and outmaneuvering the person on the opposing side to her, which is what she loves to do, the strategy. And she's like, in my mind, I was watching it thinking like, well, nobody's ever going to think that like she just checked herself in a mental hospital you know, to outmaneuver someone, it was like, oh boy, she must really be, you know, breaking. But again, like Toby was saying, it brings all of these threads are connected. So it's like you have Ruth go see her when she's there to broker this deal at Marty's urging. And you're like, well, now they've made up. I guess Reconciliation. she's Reconciliation. Well, that's, we'll talk about that, all the anvils yeah. about so, her death. Yeah. Anyway, so no, I don't think John Boy and the Bible bus, that's what I kept saying. Oh, here's, I, I did, you know, and then there was like that random thing where the guy, the front counter guy with the gambling addictions, like, well, I'm leaving on the Bible bus now. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? This is just like a totally random thing in the middle of all of this. Yeah. So talking about Wendy, Kevin, she has gone, you know, fully bad in the first couple of seasons of this show. She broke bad. Yes. Yeah. And we're at the point now where even her kids are like, Dad, you don't you don't love mom. Right. Because she's fucking evil. Uh, and Wendy even says to, uh, to her whole family, like, I know I'm hard to love like in this mm-hmm. season. Right. Yeah, parroting what her father says to her. Correct. Yeah. But there is this like now all of a sudden this like change at the end, this sort of softening, this sort of like, oh, but I do love you. It's not unconditional, but it's there. What do you think of that turn at the end, too? Because I also felt that was a little Who's bit of a, Wendy's turn? Or? Well, the, the sort of Wendy at the end, she reconciles with Ruth. Wendy at the end, you know, there is this sort of thing with, with she and Marty where it's clear that they're going to remain together afterwards, which was never mm. what something that we assumed the entirety of the series. Um, so that that's another sort of dynamic that changes in these last few episodes. Honestly, I, I'm not quite sure where Wendy lands at the end because... If, if we get right down to it, the, the last big thing is that they know that, you know, Ruth is going to die at the hands of Navarro's sister. And so is that like a, you know, loving, good person again? You know, is she like reconciled with life and she's, you know, on the straight and narrow again? I don't, I don't think so. But, you know, the, the biggest change I saw this year was with uh, with Marty in this season, where he's always played it very kind of close to the vest. He's always kind of got his eyes down mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and just poker face. I'll get it done. 
and kind of unflappable in that way. And we finally see towards you know the middle of this season, all this tension from all these years just starting to build up, especially as they get closer, and in particular when Wendy does something that derails the plan, because Wendy likes to go rogue and will be impulsive and change things. So the things that Marty has very thoughtfully put together, right, and schemed out, all of a sudden Wendy will blow it up because she thinks there's a, you know, a more effective way or a different way of doing it. Marty just goes along with it. But we end up getting a great scene that someone mentioned about Marty with the kids when he's finally kind of unloading a little bit of his feelings. And, you know, and you got this fucking Ben thing. And, you know, no matter what I do, I'm, I'm the fucking asshole. No matter what I say, what I do, I get in her way, she gets pissed, I get out of her way, she finds another reason to get mad at me, and it's, you know, it's like it's fucking rigged, you know? And then it comes out later when they have the, uh, well, we'll call it the, the road rage scene, where Marty just <laughs> needed to kick somebody's ass just to kind of get it out, everything that he's been feeling. It's like a so, Michael Douglas movie. Yeah. But Michael Douglas wasn't also like running a drug cartel at the True. same time. We also watched Marty waterboard somebody earlier in the season. Right. Actually, like run a cartel. Yeah, yeah, but kind of hands off. And really? Still, well, I, he, he, he looks through the little hole in the the floor. Well, he's giving the guy the nod again and again. He's like, yeah. mm, go down. I will say too, and and you also like let him off the hook, Toby. I don't know about you, but what I saw happen at the end there was Marty being the one who let Ruth get killed. And Wendy being the one who was like, isn't there anything we can do? I mean, did I, am I the only one who saw that scene play out that way? Yeah, well, I, I think that was one of the things that was sort of thematically and narratively kind of satisfying, like kind of tying up some of the psychological loose ends, because it's always seemed sort of like there's been Marty's relationship with Ruth, where Ruth is sort of... It's not so much that she's predictable, but she acts in a way that it's sort of, it makes sense as being in her own interest. Um, and I think that's something that Marty shares with her. And then there's Wendy, who, as she just said, kind of goes off and does these weird sort of impulsive things that can really get him into trouble. So I think that's one of the things that's always tensions in the series is Marty having these two women and... He's married to one, and the other one seems more sort of in keeping with the way he thinks about things. So the fact that at the end, you know, he's got a choice between his family and Ruth, and he doesn't flinch, right? He's yeah. just like, you know, we got to let her go just to save ourselves, Yeah, which is something that you would think Wendy would have done. Like, that's Wendy thought, but when it comes down to family versus anybody else... There's no real question. That's always Marty. Marty's always done that. I actually agree with you there, even though I will say, and we'll talk about this later, I think killing Ruth was a sin. I will just say it. It was a sin. Yeah, I agree. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. 
There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, guys, how about we stop right here for some business? Sounds good. Business section, play that music, Rebecca. All right, I already did. <laughs> okay. How do you know? I put it in afterwards. You don't know when I'm starting it. I just, my headphones aren't magic like that. Uh, on the Crime Writers on After Show right now, as we're thinking about Marty Bird and how he was this accountant and he used his his powers for evil and the same thing with Mr. White from Breaking Bad, we're going to talk about what skill do we have that you could put towards a criminal enterprise. Mm. Oh. I think I know Lara's. You know mine? No. Mm. No, I think you're going to have to spill your guts. Also, uh, coming up very soon is the latest edition of Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club. The book this month is The Arsonist. Toby, uh, you just did that recording. How did it go? Uh, it was great. Uh, the book is great and it has a lot of gives you a lot of stuff to think about. And we had a uh, wide ranging and very interesting conversation. It was uh, Keith Sharon, uh, Elise McGovern, and Julia Lowry Henderson. In the book, I can't recommend it highly enough. If you're looking for something to read. So if you're, that's what you do with a book. That's what you do with a book. If you are looking for something to listen to, you can always sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Yes. We have 250 exclusive podcast episodes behind that paywall just for our patrons. And uh, also, if you want to find out a little more about what's happening behind the scenes here at Crime Writers On, see our pet of the week. See the tweet of the week and every week's Patreon patron saints. You can check us out by signing up for our free newsletter. Go to crimewriterson.com and uh, put in your email address. We'll send you something once a week. Do it. And thus ends. Thus ends. Thus ends the business section. That's it. Fade that music out. So they brought Rachel back, huh? <laughs> Somebody we haven't oh, seen yeah. since season one. Yeah. Why? I mean, Laura, it's just because they killed off everyone else that Ruth knew, right? She needed a friend? Well, <laughs> you know what? I think it was like, I think it was honestly like when she came back, I thought, okay, here are, this is like women that have been taken advantage of by this family banding together in the last season to be like, we are coming back. It was sort of sad to have her come back because then we have like this like really sad sort of reunion to me. I just found like very poignant with her brother who was, you know, at one point in the beginning working at the restaurant in like season one. And now like Marty was allegedly supposed to look out for him and, and wasn't. So he's not working and he's living with like, I wasn't sure if it was like a relative or a grandmother or something. And and then we just never see him again. I was like, well, he got a cameo in the final episode. Okay. How long are you in town for? I'll head back later today. Oh, too bad. I found some new fishing spots that I wanted to show you. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's biting these days? Everything. Catfish, bass, bluegill. <laughs> they needed somebody for Ruth 
to partner up with. And that part I agreed with. I wish it had been more of her partnering up with the son of that crime syndicate guy. Frank Jr.? That Yeah. Me like, too. That would have been more <laughs> believable. Suddenly they're having like kind of like, because they to me felt like a more like simpatico sort of like, okay, I could see that happening and I would believe it. This one, I was like, oh, look, she's back now. Um, she was selling curtains and now she's going to like go to the casino. Okay. Well, remember um, Frank Jr. got his dick shot right. off. Right. But they, but they needed Ruth Exposition and Rachel was the Ruth Exposition yeah. tool. Yeah. And I was like, there could have been a better way to do that. I, I kind of feel like they brought her in because Frank Jr. I don't think really hates Smarty. And I think part of the second part of the season is that you suddenly see all these people who the birds have screwed getting a chance to screw them back and trying to take advantage of it. And that's kind of, again, it's like layering on complications because it's the, the fixer guy. I can't remember what his name is, who has that sweet house who like helps uh, Ruth get her uh, record expunged. expunged. The guy. Oh, the yeah. guy in the lake that you can only get to by lake. Yeah. So it's like him. And then it's, you know, there's like all these people coming out of the woodwork who they've screwed in the past. You kind of forget about and you kind of move on because you're always rooting for him. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that guy, he totally got the raw end of the deal with the birds like yep. everybody else. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Kevin, um, the foundation, what a stupid fucking plot point. Oh, the, the family foundation? foundation? <laughs> yes. I hate the foundation Ow. so much. I'm so, like, the foundation to me is the dumbest plot point ever. The idea that they're going to be like the Clintons, right? Mm. And they're going to have this huge political foundation and, and like, have all this influence and that that would yeah, be the life they I, would choose, that they would be so famous. Why well, would they choose that life post-cartel? Well, okay, you got to think about where they were season one. She worked for Obama. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying they run the they ran the what was it the blue carp or whatever the stupid oh, the blue cat the blue the blue cat but she right. had worked for Obama yeah, before no, right yes yes yeah. yes they were trying to launder money through this two bit motel right and now all of a sudden we're at they have you know this casino where they're having these fundraisers where senators will fly all over the country in tuxedos to play blackjack there for whatever fucking reason that part you know was kind of weird. Why a foundation? Right? Well, I can't remember why, other than they needed to have some sort of political power, some muscle, in order to do these things that was required of them vis-a-vis the cartel. Yeah. And so that was the way. Now, in real life, you know, would they all of a sudden be able to bankroll so much money that they have all the power people in their pockets, so now they're the powerful people? It just, you know, it doesn't kind of work like that, but that's fine, you know? Also, you know, you kind of have to give it up that, a CEO would not be the purchaser slash logistics person, you know, to buy a bunch of raw opium That's for true. their. And Ruth wouldn't be able to get her name on a license one day after she got no, her. No, and have the, print, the license right there. <laughs> and just walk into the CEO's office. And some of those things, you know, you don't look too closely at because you don't want to ruin it. It's sort of more about the, the bigger thing. But you're right. The foundation, I was kind of like, uh, okay, I guess it's a, it's a, a thing, I, you know, they could probably never have built it to the where they made it seem like. But. Anything. It could have been anything. The fact that they made it this stupid bird foundation, this entire series, it's the one thing I've hated about the series since like season two. Yeah, but I mean, you have to say, is it credible that they would have this foundation that would have some political muscle? Or is it credible that without it, they could do things like get access inside the, you know, the federal penitentiary and work on the SDN list or whatever that is without all those people. It was just a way of of enabling that kind of power to open up the plot. Okay, so here's the whole thing. So Toby, here's the whole thing. We are told throughout the series 
that they're getting out someday, right? We are so close. We are so close. We are so close. That's what we keep hearing, right? The out is going to be apparently this parachute exit strategy after which they are going to be running this huge hundreds of millions of dollars foundation where they're going to be able to pick the president of the United States and be famous with money that they got from a Mexican drug cartel. But we're not actually out because we see them making deals with the FBI. They're going to be going on in perpetuity. So I don't fucking understand this foundation bullshit. I think it is a terrible plot device and I think it's a distraction and I and I just feel like it's never really explained. Toby, do you understand what I'm talking about? I hate the foundation. It is, I love this series so much. I want to throttle the foundation, dig a hole, stick the foundation in it and put some dirt over the hole the way they did with that guy's body underneath the pool. Poor Nelson. I feel like they lost control of the scope and I think the foundation is part of it, which is like, we're going to control the Midwest and... You know, we'll put in corrupt voting machines. No, we won't. And like have senators being like, fuck you. You like screwed me over. But I felt the same thing with the cartel, like with almost any show. But I think Ozark in particular, there's sort of this agreement with the audience that there are certain things like Kevin was saying, you're not going to look at too closely. Like there's suspension of disbelief and that's fine. For me, like the idea that Marty would go down and take over the largest drug cartel in Mexico and people be like, Oh, hey, I guess Whitey. that's cool. You know, here, here, here are my, yeah, here are my papers. Do I mean, you habla it's just, Espanol? Here's our accounting records. Yeah. It's ludicrous. It's like, do you think El Chapo like would send some, you know, yeah. Middle American, you know, I want to account also, down there, and he'd be like, also all these drug lords, they have and like spreadsheets, their, <laughs> their profit and loss statements. Yeah, hmm. show me your books. That's, yeah, that's the, the part books. I love. They're like, yeah. okay, we're gonna like talk about your finances. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, oh, the decimals in the wrong spot here. <laughs> that's right. Have you thought about your four hundred one k? Those are the two I think most egregious things. But it kind of went from. The scale where, again, it's like it's they're at the blue cat or whatever it is, and then they get a casino and they've got the stuff with Darlene, but then it like blows up into suddenly it's this like international thing where they're dealing at like almost the highest levels of power in government, but they can reach into federal penitentiaries and they can like arrange to have a drug lord killed by the FBI. It's like this is just getting out of hand. This is like a completely different show now. I mean, I love this show, but I kind of felt like if they could have just scaled it back a little bit, they could have focused more on what I think made it great at the beginning mm-hmm. instead of by the end, just everything was so complicated and so large scale. I don't think Marty, Wendy, Jonah, and whatever her name is. Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> though that, that nuclear family was going to be able to hold both the U.S. government and the largest drug cartel in Mexico at bay. Yeah, yeah. By the way, why are they still at that little crappy lake house driving those crappy cars? The cra- lake, lake house, by the way, is not crappy. It is beautiful. It's kind of mid-century modern and fucking cool. Do not call that house crappy. Uh, they just never redid some of the I, 70s decor. I love the cars, though. The yeah. cars are insanely crappy and hilarious. Too many windows to They're be They're still driving the minivan. Is it a Buick? Like, what is it? A Buick Sen- it's Skylark It's like a Buick Skylark or, or some shit like that. Yeah, It's, it's like, nothing now. What's a fan the kids had? Oh, I know. Like oh, yeah, the, the Uncle kids. Rico van. The kids, had, the kids had like a kidnapping van. Wasn't the van, didn't the van belong to the old guy who owned the house? Buddy? I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't, it's suddenly, van, yeah. like, I didn't remember seeing it before and then it didn't appear again. 
that was like the funny scene was when they get bailed out by their kids and then they have to ride in the back (laughs) with the kids like having like stern looks on their faces. I love that scene. (laughs) All right. So I, uh, I, by the way, transparency to the audience. I never show up to these tapings with notes. I rely on all of your notes to guide the conversation for the first time in a very long time. I have my own notes and I made my notes while watching the final two episodes of the show in real time. Yeah, I did that. And I had not actually seen the ending of the show while I made this note. I knew that Ruth is, was doomed the minute she started building this nice house. There's a 0% chance we will ever see her put her head to sleep anywhere pleasant. And then I said, Ruth and Wendy re- reconciling at the hospital. It's another tell that Ruth is doomed. This would also probably never happen. Killing Ruth is a sin. She should have been the sole surviving adult. Note, I am writing this 10 minutes into watching the final episode. I do not know for sure that Ruth actually dies, but I'm 100% sure she is going to. (laughs) No way to verify the veracity of your statement, Rebecca, but for the sake of argument, continue. So let's just talk. So first of all, do we all agree that there was a lot of telegraphing that Ruth was going to die? Yes or no? Not a lot, but you know. Did ghosts of her family she playing some song about angels yeah. you know call I, me an angel yeah the bonnie Raitt. she's singing the, the, the her uncle singing the bonnie Raitt song yeah also it, it, it's the last episode of the series so she's literally talking to the dead you know, people it's like game of thrones you know it's going to be a bloodbath she so. was spending time with the dead people she was about to like reunite with uh-huh. right and you saw her happy for once mm-hmm. yeah. but she had been with Wyatt all season I mean like that again like going back to like that was the thing that sort of broke her was Wyatt's death because one of my criticisms of this season is that there's times to really lean into the humanity and the emotion of some of these characters to make us more invested in them and to really see more of their story on like this you know human vulnerable level as opposed to this bing 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 like something else crazy is happening but that scene where Ruth and Wyatt, when they were little kids, go up when like Ruth wakes up because her parents are fighting and screaming at each other, and they, they you see when that tradition of her going on the roof of the trailer with Wyatt and sleeping up there and talking, and that was her confidant. That was like the person that you see she was closest to of anybody. And I think I don't know if it hit anybody else, but that particular scene, I was like, oh. And so then when we keep seeing him throughout but her her story arc this season it was just the whole time I was just heartbroken for her because we see you know she's driving to Chicago and she's gonna take out Navarro's nephew but by the way the music was amazing the whole time that she's listening to yeah. and then Wendy listening to at one point Wendy's listening to like the Twilight Zone song and I'm like oh this is cool but that story arc and and the whole time it's like Wyatt is always with her and like that is what's driving all of her decisions and even like her other is it her other cousin who's like would Wyatt want you to do this and three and then you know and then she goes and meets with the judge and she's going to get her her record wiped and and you believe that she's first clean Langmore yeah and and she's sincere and you're thinking oh please this is like, this is the character I'm the most invested in of this entire series. And she is. But the more good and the more that starts happening to transform her character, the more, like Rebecca said, you're starting to just feel like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way they can. No way she can, like, ascend that much and they can let her live. That's just there's just no way narratively that would work. Yeah. And you're finally doing it. You're building the pool. I'm like, although oh, I really want her to. Yeah. Well, like the. F- 
the first episode of this half season, and it's actually we're still in episode season four. This is episode eight. Is the you know whatever the fuck the first one we see this finale season. That's just a real tour de force performance by Julia Gardner, where she is all you know working through her grief and anger over Wyatt's uh, murder and all of her fascination with uh, killing Javi and um, you know her all her different emotional struggles. At one point, she has sort of this showdown in the the CEO's office where she talks about like you know how she feels about Wendy, which is that she's a bitch. And how she feels about Marty, and it's not that Marty is a bad person, but it's more like she accuses Marty of well, of not like being really there for you. You could tell like she really wants him to care for her, and she cares for him, but she feels like he doesn't care for her. Or he's letting her down in a different way. I thought it was again another another great performance. And then she runs into Killer Mike in the diner. Yeah, if you weren't familiar with uh, with Chicago rap stars, you might have missed that one. Yeah, but, well, she's uh, also, yeah. also listening to Nas's Illmatic during the whole episode, which is just such a wonderful fucking detail. So what do you think, Toby, ultimately, uh, Ruth's murder? Uh, I mean, I narratively, I know it makes sense. I also think it's a fucking sin. I mean, I, I, I get it. I know it makes sense. I know narratively, it's it's not a sin narratively. It is a sin personally <laughs> because there's another there's another way this could have played out where Ruth is the only surviving adult in this thing right you know there's this is another way that it could have worked which I also would have I probably would have liked more um personally because I love Ruth so much but what do you what did you think of the scene and and the way that it worked out because I do like it if she's going to die anyway that the way that they did it rather than her being killed by some random henchmen in the dark and us not being able to sort of see what happened and it being as random as so many other deaths in the show were. So I guess a couple of things. One is I think the scene itself is really good and I think her acting in it is great. I'm not sorry. Your son was a murdering bitch. And now I know where he got it from. Well, are you gonna fucking do this shit or what? You know, when I was critical of the way she was like going off at the end of part one of season four, where she's like screaming, and I was like, uh, "Which we'll never agree much. about." Well, we won't agree about it. But this ending was more, I guess, to my taste or whatever. It's, I mean, I, I thought the acting, her acting in that scene was was incredible. I, I mean, I think another way of looking at this whole show is kind of, you know, it's her arc, like where she, like what happens when she meets the birds, right? I mean, she goes from being sort of- Petty criminal. In a family yeah. of criminals and, and sort of in this life of petty crime. And she's got this crazy arc where a lot of it is Marty, you know, sort of manipulating her, I guess, sort of helping her, but also manipulating her. And she goes through all these things. And then as the birds are going to leave- you know, how do you envision what's going to happen to her? Yep. And I think as far as the like the narrative goes, it's like, well, that her arc ends, right? I mean, she she goes through all this stuff with the birds and then it's over. They leave and that's it for her. So, you know, is it better to think of her like in her nice house, like hanging out, drinking cheap beer and, and hanging out on with her, her crappy friends? crappy couch on the, yeah, on the, going, on the deck. going for her swim in a pool that's 15 feet away from the from the lake. Uh, you have to have a pool. You don't yeah. think about being rich. <laughs> At least a hot tub. It's VIP. 
Anybody thought anything more about the car crash? As you recall, season four opens up with the car crash and then it flashes back. So I was thinking, like, was this a fake out? But I thought more about it. And the fact that they get out of it without a scratch, almost literally get out of it without a scratch is a sign. But it ends up being what kind of sign does it mean? And Wendy, when she returns, has that discussion with the priest and... While I thought, you know, the car crash was, was building, you know, this sense of doom over the whole season that we were going to watch the whole thing and see somebody, you know, mystery family member get killed in a car crash, that it ended up being, you know, an omen of something. And the priest was said something like along the lines of, how many times does God have to point at you before you get the message? And Wendy being Wendy's like, no, it just means this is all going to work out. So I, I thought, like, when they, they all get out, like, I was like, well, what the fuck happened with that car crash it's, you've been it, waiting it's on? It's Ruth, and, not them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it, but it's a sign of what happens to the birds. Not that they're bulletproof, but they somehow are in this terrible, always in a terrible situation, but they're going to find a way through it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I felt like the car crash was sort of, like, anticlimactic. I was like, oh, I mean, because it looks horrible. It's very shocking when it happens, and it happens so abruptly. You know, then you're thinking, oh, shit, Wendy might be dead, but she's not. But the part that just struck me about that was just like, like you're saying, Kevin, like how quickly they just go on with life. Like, I mean, I know one time I got like rear-ended at a stoplight and I was in physical therapy for like three months and like they go in a rollover crash, their thing is completely crushed. And then like Wendy and Marty are like, oh, we're going to just go like it's off to a meeting. The power now of the fucking minivan, Laura Bricker. It's the power of the minivan. It's the power <laughs> of the minivan. I'm like, oh, they're just like fine. And then next thing I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. So, I mean, I think the reason, like, I initially thought it was there was like, okay, this was like this sort of like solidifying moment where the family's like, oh shit, we could lose our family, but we didn't. And now we're going to be like more devoted to each other or, you know, now we're going to be all in or we're not going to be all in. But I just felt like, again, it's just like, there's so many things thrown out. It's like, they're like nonstop and, and all of this, this action is so nonstop that it doesn't give time for the other more subtle parts of the characters to come through because the pace is just so frantic. It's like, it reminds me of, I was thinking of like, you know, when you go to like the fireworks display and cause I mean, I'm dealing with this right now in my own book where like my editor was like, okay, you have way too many loose ends to tie up. And if you're tying them all up in the last five chapters, it's going to feel rushed. And I feel a little bit like that's what it felt like a little bit to me here. But it was like when you go to the fireworks display and you're going along and the fireworks and then at the end, it's like, boom, 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 boom. Like, like a Jillian Flynn book. Like, yeah, they're just like all oh, coming <laughs> off and like all these things have to tie in at the end. And it's just and, and it's exciting. And I'm not saying it was like easy to watch and it was like entertaining. But at the same time, I was like, I feel like it could have been it could have reached another level if they slowed down a little bit. All right. So, Laura, uh, I want to get all of your quick reactions to this. A lot of interpretations about the ending of the show. So, Laura, you first. Your boy Jonah, long been your favorite character in the uh, show Ozark. A lot of critics feel like his murdering of Mel means that uh, he was going to get out, but now he's in the mm -hmm. family forever. Uh, some people think it doesn't mean that at all. Uh, <laughs> some people just think it means he's just now part of the family. Uh, and that's good. Uh, what were your thoughts about that final moment in the series? I mean, I think I looked at it like he had evolved this season. He's been working the wire transfers and everything in the hotel. He's become more savvy. He's become one of them. And, I mean, he's been leading up to that moment 
since like the beginning. Like each season, there's been a sign, you know, that he was eventually going to have to shoot somebody. I mean, when he's with the old guy, was his name Buddy? When he was learning to shoot, and I mean, I think it's just signifying that now the entire family is all in. I didn't like how it ended so abruptly after that. Like, boom, done. And I'm like, oh, fuck, it's over? Okay. Sopranos. <laughs> but what about yeah. these approving look on the faces exactly. of his parents? Exactly, they're proud. Yes. That's the they last thing like, we see, yeah. Good job. But it, like, there's almost like a smirk on Marty. Yeah, what do you think about that, Toby? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I mean, I hate to keep going. I mean, they obviously had the theme thing in mind. It's like, you know, the last piece of the family puzzle comes into line at the end. It's, yeah. it, it ends. The family's complete and they're they're all in. Kevin, do you remember that at the beginning of the show that Buddy had taught him to shoot? I thought that was a lovely yes. bookend. Yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details entire series all right well i think we should do what we do let's let our listeners know what we think of the second half of season four of ozark i'd like to get the thumbs up or thumbs down on that and then our final if you don't mind thumbs up or thumbs down on the series as a whole i just would love to hear that right now uh so laura bricker what do you think thumbs up or thumbs down for the second half of season four of ozark and then just your final thumbs up or thumbs down for the series as a whole Oh my gosh. Final half of the season. So it's hard. I'm going to go thumbs up because I was going to watch, we're all going to watch the end of Ozark. And that's what I just said um, last week on the end of Killing Eve. We're all going to watch this. I feel a little bit, it's going to be a mild thumbs up because I feel like there was issues with like so many plot points out there at the same time that I feel like the character development and sort of the nuance of the story didn't have time to develop in a way that you could connect with it in sort of a more like visceral way because it was just like bing, 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 bing. And it was so busy. Some of the characters that met their demise, I'm not happy about. And I feel like I agree with Rebecca that could have gone a different way. So overall, though, I mean, I love this series. I love Ozark. I love the characters. I love that Jason Bateman is now like this badass, like, you know, guy. It's just like what happened to Jason Bateman, Laura Linney, like the acting in this and the people that are in this are tremendous. I just wish some of the decisions with the plot had been done a little bit differently. And I wish they had slowed down a little bit at some point because I felt like making so many things happen so quickly to keep the action and the momentum going actually was like a detriment to 
making this something that could have gone to the next level. But I love Ozark. So overall, thumbs up. Toby Ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, the bar is really high for Ozark. So I think for this, I, I think this was probably the weakest of all the seasons, you know, and the weakest part of the weakest season. But it's still, you know, better than, you know, 95% of the stuff that, that we watch. So I'm not going to give it a thumbs down. I think it's a thumbs up. But as far as the show goes, I mean, I think this is a classic show. I mean, I, th- I think it's, you know, it's one of the sort of, I, I don't know, beacons or whatever of this period of, of television. So yeah, I think, it, I think it's great. I think the characters are great. I think Ruth is like an all-time character in a show. I think the birds are great. So, you know, nothing but a big thumbs up for the show in general. Kevin Flynn. I'm a thumbs up both for this season and for the show in general. I still like it. Yeah, this uh, half season, this the finale wasn't, you know, super fantastic. It may not be one of the greatest shows of all time, but it's a very, very good show. And the acting and the directing, all award winning, really fantastic the way they put this together. You know, in season one is very moody and atmospheric in the Ozarks. Marty is sort of laundering money to save his own life. The stakes changed over time, but it still did a great job of taking one catastrophe after another, piling it on, and making us watch and hoping that they can find a way eventually out of it. Hmm. I'm sideways for this half season. Huge thumbs up for the series as a whole. That's where I land on it. I think it's formatically problematic. I think if they had released season four as a whole and been able to blend all the plot points from all of the 14 episodes together in a smoother, slower way, or if they had delivered two full seasons rather than one uh, season divided in half and two short components, and they'd be able to flesh both out a little bit more, it would have been more satisfying. I did not love this package of, what was it, seven episodes together, but I did think the plot points were wrapped up nicely. I just can't say this package of seven episodes was a huge thumbs up for me. So I'm going sideways on these seven episodes. Still, though, this is one of my favorite shows of all time. Huge thumbs up for me still for the series as a whole. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the week. The week. The New York Post headline says it all. My penis fell off, but it regrew on my arm. Malcolm McDonald of Norfolk, England, says he was horrified in 2010 when his junk fell to the floor after a severe infection. Unable to save the member, surgeons devised a plan to grow a new one by molding skin from his forearm into the shape of a penis. It took many years for the new appendage to heal properly. In the meantime, Malcolm walked around with a scrote dangling off his arm. Wait, I thought it was a penis. A scrot isn't the same as a penis. He says one time his pork sword fell out of his sleeve while reaching for cans at the supermarket and hit an old lady on the head. (laughs) It's hard to tell how realistic the D looks. He's posed for many photos, but the newspapers keep pixelating the Johnson hanging from his arm. Doctors recently transferred the man-made manhood into his pubic area. A plastic tube will help him pee properly, and a penile implant in the scrotum will help pump it up. Surgeons were even able to add two more inches to it. Malcolm's ordeal is the subject of a new... All's well that ends well. (laughs) Malcolm's ordeal is the subject of a new documentary. It's titled The Man... With a penis on his arm. (laughs) So, panel, thanks to this medical miracle, Malcolm is back in the saddle again. What pickup line can he use at the pub now that he's got his manhood back? Laura Bricker, what do you think? You ain't never seen what I got between my legs anywhere else. 
What do you think, Toby Ball, that Malcolm can use as a pickup line at his local? Oh, I didn't realize it was post. I was going with the, is that a mouse in your sleeve or are you just happy to see me? (laughs) (laughs) It's been put on the pee-pee area. (laughs) Uh, Ask me how I got this scar. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I think you should just go in and just say, hi, uh, I had a penis grown on my hand and attached. Would you like to see it? I (laughs) I think he'd get a lot of tail. I'm looking for a woman with a vagina in her kneecap. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So romantic. (laughs) Laura Bricker, if a man with a penis on his arm would like to reach out to you on Twitter, how can he find you there? (laughs) Oh, he's sending Um, elbow pics. Toby Ball and H. And Toby Ball, if folks would like to reach out to Laura Bricker, if they have a penis on their arm, how can they find her there? <laughs> She's also at Toby Ball and H. And Kevin Flynn, if folks would like to reach out to you, if they have a penis on their arm, how can they find you there? I'm at Toby Ball and H. And if folks want to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram, I would love to see your penis on your arm. I don't, I'm not going to sex shame you or penis shame you with your, on your penis on your arm. You can email me at Reb Lavoie. <laughs> you can tweet you to can me. You can send glossy photographs in a big envelope and slide it under my door. You, Not you blacked can, out. You can tweet to me at Reb Lavoy or send them to me on Instagram as well. I'd be happy to check them out and then not share them with anyone. You can also follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at Crime Writers On. I encourage you to join our amazing community, but do not share your dick pics there. Find us on Facebook at Crime Writers On and then join our group. It's really, really nice in our group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast, Lara Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball. Deep Dive Book Club podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the astute Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we operate our mysterious family foundation to funnel money to elected officials in a complicated scheme to coalesce political power in a furtherance of our nefarious goals. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. So, Lara, uh, I want to get all of your quick reactions to this. A lot of interpretations about the ending of the show. Yeah. Jonah. Toby's trying to say. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, sorry. no, no ahead, I was Toby. scratching my hand. Oh, oh it looks oh, like sorry. it looked like yeah, you were yeah, going. Toby was saying, shut the fuck up, Laura. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.